You're listening to Lost and Rewound on Radio Free Brooklyn. Time to get embarrassed with us. Another edition of Lost in Rewound on Radio Free Brooklyn. I am Alan. I am Jimmy. And we do not condone any of the bullshit that is permeating in your news feeds right now. It's, Absolutely tootly not. It is complete hogwash. Hogwash. Um, it's bad news. It's all bad news. It's a rough time. If it's you're a rough li- time in America's. If you're listening to us right now, then chances are you're probably listening to us to escape all that for just an hour. Which is why we just got that out of the way now, so that we don't have to even worry about talking about it. Oh, uh, yeah. Hour. We're going to talk about, like, dance moves and, like, what's your favorite color? That's the kind of things we're going to talk about. The things that matter. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. The, things, the things that matter to, to uh, an, an event, effect of which uh, requires no critical thinking. Yes, sometimes, exactly. Sometimes you just need to lay back and listen to the smooth, melodious sound I mean, look. of the word melodious. <laughs> Melodic. The English language is so English. You know? There's so much programming on Radio Free Brooklyn to listen to that is much better suited for that of the socio-political variety. And we are here to talk about tapes of your yesteryears. If you want to contribute a tape uh, sounds of your youth in any event to our show, you can do so at Lost and Rewound at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org. Or if you want to donate to our show, you oh, can yes. go, yes, all the way to RadioFreeBrooklyn.com slash pledge to donate to the station itself, or you can save us right here in our basement hive mm-hmm. right now. Yes. By donating directly to the show at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash L-A-R. And in either capacity, however which way you wish to contribute to either us directly, to the community as a whole, it will go to a good cause. You know? It's greatly and appreciated. And you can even get whatever swag. Oh, yeah, exactly. You can get swagged out. Exactly. You can walk out of here with all kinds of tote bags. What, you kind, know? Of, what kind of tote bags are we talking I'm here, talking, Jimmy? When people see you with a tote bag, they know. This guy donates. <laughs> this guy will be donates. And they say, why is that guy wearing a tote? (laughs) (laughs) So, again, those addresses are RadioFreeBrooklyn.com slash LAR to sponsor our show and RadioFreeBrooklyn.com slash pledge to pledge to the whole community. We greatly appreciate it in advance, but let's let's worry about those pitches another time for another day, for another week. And let's move on. For the next show when we say it again. Exactly. Because we just got to keep reminding you. <laughs> because we have to. Let's begin. is a multi-talented individual 
He's a musician, voice actor, he's a writer, and soon-to-be animator with his own show coming up soon. Welcome to the show, Gabe. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Nice Thank to you. see you. You skateboarded over here? Yeah, yeah. That's my car over there. That's <laughs> serious. I am doing my part to save on pollution. I'm going green completely. Exactly, how, man. Exactly. How long have you skateboarded for? I've been skating for about eight years. I love going between traffic, against it through the lines of it, like when everybody's bumper to bumper, I love going where everybody else doesn't want to go. I had a feeling that was you. Yeah. I when, I, when, I met, when I met you, I was like, this guy lives on the edge. Like, he's right. He's standing on the edge of the knife's blade, just like, cut, 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 cut. How long ago did you guys meet? At which open mic, I suppose? We met uh, a week ago. Yeah. Honestly. Whoa. Yeah. So um, Fast friends. Th- exactly. Yeah, but this is what the community's all about. Hell yeah. It doesn't have to be something. I've got, pe- I've got friends of mine who I've known for six months that I, you know, I, I'm closer to than people I've known for years and years. Sure. Uh, we met at Topaz. The Topaz. Which has been a good well for me to bring uh, talent out. Has been going to an open mic something that you've been meaning to do for a while? Or have you been doing it? We just started getting serious about it because my band and I, Facebook, and we were trying to record an EP, and that kind of fell through with the the guy who uh, was trying to mix our album. He actually got it into his head that he was all of a sudden our manager, and we were just like, uh, what? we're going to step away from this guy. This guy was a, a little kooky. So we just decided, you know what, we need to just get back to basics, and we just need to hit the ground running again and... We're just trying to do as many open mics as we can. You said the name of the band is Face Bacon. Face Bacon. How long has Face Bacon been around for then? Face Bacon has been around since 2007. And, and is Face Bacon the most delicious bacon that exists? Mike, likely. I believe it is. Because apparently a friend of mine like looked it up after we saw you play. Yes. And they were like, yeah, that's a real thing, Face Bacon. And it's highly sought after. Dude. Wait, so wait, what is Face Bacon? <laughs> it's, a, it's self-explanatory. It's, it's the jowl meat of the pig. And apparently it's so thin and it's so like crispy when they cook it that it's used for a lot of stuffing, actually, and like other meats. And uh, I guess... To have it as a sandwich is Oof. It's pretty awesome. It, it reminds me of uh, Ren and Stimpy, man. Get those pig faces, yo. People don't know about that. Stimpy, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> ah, I like my face bacon. <laughs> ah, yes. yes Even the horse close. would have liked it. The mister. Nope, sir. I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you based out of? Here in Brooklyn. Okay. Been here since uh, 2002. I love oh, it wow. here. Where are you originally from? From California. Where in California? I'm originally from, well, I was born and raised um, half my life in Riverside, and then I finished out my school in Orange County, and then I moved out here as soon as I could. I was in the theater department at my college over in Cal State Fullerton, and I was busting my ass trying to do as many theater classes as I could and just like carry as many credits as I could, and I just burnt myself out. I was working at Disneyland at the time. Okay. I carried like 32 credits. I just got so burnt out. I ended up getting cast in a show that I slept through a couple performances because we had to meet and tech our own show at like five in the morning. Oi. Oh my and so my drama teacher, who was the director of that, he, he kind of already had like it out for me. And he was just like, I don't want to see you in any more of these things. Blah, blah, blah. Like you're out of here. Like, and so he basically made my life live in hell for like the next year and a half that I was there. I couldn't get cast in a show or anything. And then I just saw an audition for a conservatory in New York. And I was just like, I'm going. Which yeah, conservatory? It was get... for AMDA. Oh, okay, cool. Excellent. I'm very, I am very familiar with that. When you get here, culture shock, something like that. I guess what's that line? It's like, go to move to California, but leave before it makes you too soft and vice versa. 
uh, live in New York, but leave before it makes it too hard. Did you get harder when you moved to New York? <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of did. Yeah, <laughs> I, uh, you know what? I just kind of, I realized that I just didn't care about my filter anymore. So I just started calling things out as I saw them, as opposed to just kind of being polite and letting it go. Were you raised to be more polite? I was raised to just shut the hell up and not say a word. <laughs> <laughs> were your uh, parents supportive of your theatrical endeavors? Yeah, they were actually very supportive of that. They were actually supportive of everything, just different people. Different in what way? Uh, we're just better people out of each other's lives. Were they from America originally? My dad is actually um, from Mexico. He's from Baja, California. And uh, I think he crossed over back in like the 70s when, you know, the fro was still a thing. <laughs> I wish it still was. Dude, I saw my dad with a fro. It was the it was the creepiest thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> Lollipop dad. No, my dad had a fro too. I mean, come on. My dad had really long hair and it never stops amusing me. Well, if your dad was a was a curly top, then he would have had a fro. My too. dad had super wavy long red hair. He was basically like a Robert Redford like way back in the, <laughs> the prime days. It was nice, great. Nice. Did you have siblings? Oh, yeah. I got four sisters. Are you the youngest of that crew? No, I'm number two in the mix. Would you say that your family is traditionally artistic, creative, or were you kind of uh, sticking out as the one actor? Uh, no, actually, I came from a family of singers. Okay. Yeah, everybody has some pretty amazing pipes. Like, my older sister has the most amazing renditions of, like, Pat Benatar and Janis Joplin. Excellent. Yeah, and it's really hard to find that, like, somebody who can just really, like, rock that hard and make it a great tribute to that song, because it's really hard to mimic. The Kinnett family singers doing a little bit of Heartbreaker, Love Taker. Dude. <laughs> if it's Yasmin Kinnett, that's for sure. <laughs> Have you ever collaborated with uh, any one of your sisters with all of that music ability intact? Yeah, actually, my older sister and I teamed up with a bunch of dudes that were in a classic rock band. That was, like, the most fun I ever had singing Cream songs. In the white room, I love that song. Five years into living in New York, you connect with fellow musicians. You weren't doing any music even before Face Bacon? I actually, the funny thing is, I was touring a lot. I was doing different theater shows um, in Europe and Asia. And, and oh, wow. Here. It, it, I got to see the world on someone else's dime. It's the best way. Brilliant. Yeah. Really brilliant. But I was also always going to the nearest utility closet and learning how to growl my head off. I was really starting to get into metal at that point, and I just wanted to teach myself. From the theater background, I wanted to learn different vocal extremities. So I really started getting heavy into growling, and once that happened, I got known as the crazy guy that growls his head off. And after that, I was just like, I need a band. So once I got off tour, I hooked up with these guys. I lucked out. I found them on Craigslist. You never, Easy. You never hear about that anymore. Craigslist, you know, it's a last resort, I suppose. But um, if you connect with people who do totally share your vision, then you've won. The Beatles met on MySpace, you know. It's my they did. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be real. Famously. Let's be real. You know, Zeppelin met on, on Foursquare. <laughs> <laughs> That's really amazing that you were able to uh, formulate that and that you were able to keep that relationship going. It's all the same members of the band that have existed since um we've actually gone through three bassists and our drummer is no longer with us he actually passed away last year i'm really sorry to hear that oh, thank you yeah condolences man. thank you dude um he was a great dude so now we used to have percussion and now we have converted to just being acoustic so we're acoustic progressive metal now thus why you were able to successfully uh, venture out to open mics because it's not necessary to put that much gear out on the table yeah, well that's just, yeah. if you think about it 
that's that's the real thing stopping rock bands from rocking every place they go. Yeah, but I do want to make it perfectly clear though that every tempo that we play in our songs are what our drummer would have laid down or what he did lay down. Oh sure, he's still drumming with us. Yeah, no, you're sure. keep you're keeping it real. You're you're uh, honoring his memory with certainly the right tempo that uh, he would approve. That's uh, a good homage. Yeah. I, you know, you gave us a lot of songs, and uh, I'm really intrigued at this juncture to play one of your more recent tracks. Uh, we're going to definitely dive into some more of the older variety later in the show. This track, Simone, you seemed most inclined for us to play. Why? Because it's uh, very personal to me, and it's about somebody who meant the world to me, and I let her slip through my fingers. I recently reached out to her, and I just wanted to let her know... Um, that I wrote a song about her, and then I had to put in parentheses out of a sense of urgency. It's nothing bad. I just I wrote a song about you. Like nothing bad. Everything's good. I had to let her know that, and um, I don't know. I think it's one of the best songs we have personally. We'll talk a little bit more about it after we play it. This is Simone by Face Bacon here on Lost and Rewound Radio Free Brooklyn.
Wait, so that was not a performance. That was the rehearsal? That was just, oh, yeah, we always just record everything we, we re- um, rehearse, and then we just we give it back to each other to, for homework. We love doing our homework. Well, you, something that, yeah. I, uh, that I had I had actually... You saw that this week when they I were at I did Tokyo. see that, and, um, but 
something that was some one reason why I had approached Gabe before is that, you know, I go to a lot of open mics uh, that do music and comedy. And in most instances, they're just open minded music mics that allow me to perform comedy. <laughs> um, and I, I tell comedians about it. And every so often I'll see other comedians there. But I really like musical audiences because I just feel like they're warm and supportive. And when I'm around my peers, they're incredibly critical. And they're looking at very certain things about the joke. When I'm never going to be performing to a music hall full of comedians. It's I'm never going to have 300 comedians in a, in a hall. So I know in my mind, if I can be successful around regular audiences, then I'm going to be cool. And not being a musician and going to these places where people play predominantly folk music, I like that stuff. It's very pleasant. You know, I get to zone out and think about, you know, sandy beaches or birds in the forest or, you know, every relationship I've ever had <laughs> like over and over and over and over, and over again. <laughs> so that happens. But like they were coming out and they were like, yeah, we're face bacon. And I was like, wait a second. <laughs> and then they're just like rocking it out with acoustic. I, I've been saying to people before, you know, no one's stopping you from rocking this super hard. You could, if you wanted to, just melt my face off. Just like pizza, just, you know, see that sizzle. So you picked up a guitar well before you moved here, I imagine. No, actually, uh, I didn't pick up the guitar and really start getting serious about it until... Uh, After Amda? Yeah, yeah. I just started playing the guitar, getting serious about it about two and a half years ago. Really? Yeah, I could always pick apart things that I wanted to write, but I never was playing it live and singing. I was always just the singer. You know when there's a great band and they've got a great frontman and there's a really long musical break and you're like, well, what's the frontman going to do right now? And the best frontmen are like, oh, I'm going to become the show yeah. on top of this great music Ed that's Kowalczyk being piped out. And from live is a fucking maniac. And awesome. that's, that's, so awesome. that's brazing the stakes, you know. Um, you know, the best frontmen that I've seen in bands uh, have done something that was really memorable mm -hmm. where they either injured themselves <laughs> Or uh, did something. I, I I don't know why, but I like I really the ones that stick with me are a lot of the gross out ones. And again, I get that from being a lot of metal, a lot of metal shows because I was just like ready to see something disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> just like yeah, <laughs> okay. I paid five bucks. So writing <laughs> let's a make it happen. writing a song like that is was very emotional for you. It represented something of your past of which you needed to put into musical form. How long ago did this relationship occur? This actually happened about 12 years ago. 12 years ago. I left to go on tour. I promised I was going to be good, and I wasn't good. Every day was spring break. The music that you create is your way of finding a way to come to grips with the personal demons that have been you know, absolutely gnawing at your craw and you need to find a way to put it out there and, and there's a lot of emotion in metal there's a lot of emotion in acoustic and you're creating music that allows you to put it out there in a way that is uh satisfactory to you and different for sure than what most people are expecting out of an open mic night yes. so i think that's one of the more important uh details that comes out of hearing something like that and if i was a patron somebody who was coming into an open mic expecting as you pointed out jimmy the <laughs> you know your basic acoustic fare of which is fine then you've got three guys on stage who are fucking rocking out acoustic metal I mean, if, or is there a better way of putting it? That's it. I mean, <laughs> Progressive just, acoustic metal, yeah. It's, uh, that's a beautiful thing, man. I, I appreciate you sharing that. It's a nice gesture to be hearing something like that. Dude, uh, I, think he, you, dude. I think he actually I appreciate it. He's wrote a, a song title for you. What? 
Demons in my craw. Dude, I don't, I don't like it. It's a good lyric, too. Demons in my craw is like, there's, I was like, there's something about it. There's a demon in my craw. Dude, it's a good chant. It's a good chanting phrase. Demons in my craw. Demons in my craw. I just think there should be more metal songs about people's craw. Yeah. Don't get up on my, up on my craw. Yeah. Sometimes the craw just has to be known and exposed. <laughs> Well, let's take a quick break and when we come back we have to dive into the someone's craw <laughs> it's gonna be a, a deep craw a deep a deep deep end craw deep, cu- deep cuts deep cuts <laughs> i'm holding on to my craw hold on to your craw when, when, when we return from this short water break we will be diving into the world of gabe Kinnett's older material this is lost in remote radio free brooklyn With Gabe Kinnett. What up? Mr. Gabriel Kinnett here, joining us live in the studio for this week. He's been kind enough to contribute some audio from his past. What could we expect from this first track? It's called Pretty Song. And you said off air that it has similarities to the track we played before the break? Yeah, just uh, really um, awesome guitar harmonies. The two guitarists that were on there, Howard and Jeremy, they meshed so well, and I just couldn't help it. I just jumped on drums for that, and it was cool because we were trying to take a little bit of folk with a little bit of hip-hop and give it a little more of like a a hard rock instead of metal kind of edge to it. What were some of your influences at the time that brought you to create this song? Well, uh, my favorite band of all time, and has been for a very long time, is American Head Charge, and they're based out of Minneapolis, Minnesota. They're what's known as uh, industrial metal. Cool. A lot of hip-hop, but the old good stuff. You know, Talib Kweli, Mostaf. Well, even though his name is Yezusin Bear. Yeah, exactly. It's a totally different name now. But uh, but he's... Do you go back even older than that, though? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, even today, like, I dropped a Facebook post quoting MC Breed. There ain't no future in the front in that... (laughs) You remember that song? No, but you just did that yourself, and that's amazing! (laughs) (laughs) I was just thinking, that was... You that could was do some, fly. How how good are you at beatboxing? <laughs> All you're doing is rhyming in the studio. Uh, don't worry about my duty, yo. <laughs> Wait, where that duty at? <laughs> no, I, I it's. I like, dude. He asked you a question. <laughs> he asked you how good you were. <laughs> he didn't ask you to beatbox. <laughs> well, uh, I've been known to carry a two no two. I can, uh, you know, I can, I can drop a beat or two. <laughs> That's fantastic. Okay, that so you're so you were influenced by many different things, uh, from um, a Minneapolis industrial metal to you know Brooklyn based hip hop uh, of the effectively I don't even know what the term would be at this point, but nineties. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Black Star, late, late nineties, early, early, early golden years, and then there was, and then there was definitely my West Coast too, because I am a West Coast um, mm-hmm. original. So I, uh, of course, it was always Tupac and everybody. Cypress Hill, I still love Cypress Hill. Yeah, I would argue that's more a little more golden age, Eric. So I think we've got a nice setup of influences. This is called Pretty Song. 
Yeah, we we were we couldn't think of a better title. <laughs> I was gonna say like so. Lame. I realized I forgot to ask you why Paul Pretty song because we were lazy and drunk when we All finished. Right. <laughs> and this is uh, old school face bacon. This is old school face bacon side project known as Rook. We just wanted to goof around because our drummer was actually taking a little daddy hiatus because his baby girl was just starting to get um you know she was like starting to turn like a year old and he wanted to be really involved in her life. Yeah. Yes, best dad ever, Javier Horta, dude, who was our drummer. Rest in peace. And um he. Wanted to take a little break, so we honored that. And we said, dude, we're not going anywhere, and we were always going to bring him in on it. And I even told him, I sent him tracks of this. I'm like, dude, we're doing this. We're doing this. And he loved it. It was just something that we were going to launch into Face Bacon, but we just goofed around, and because Daddy wasn't around, we are just like, all right, we'll just call ourselves Rook for right now. And tell us uh, the origin of that band name, Rook. We drank a shitload of Coors Tall Boys, the 24 full ounces, and we were just thinking of names and I was just like, I was really drunk and I was just looking at it and I just kind of turned it upside down. And I was just like, why don't we just call ourselves Rook? And they were like, what? I'm like, you know, Coors backwards without the S. Beautiful. Let's take a listen.
Hell yeah, man. I was jamming out to that. Yeah, you were, dude. I loved it, dude. You were living. I dug it. You front sold it as if it was going to sound a little familiar uh, to the previous track, and it didn't really. Oh, um, really? So I'm seeing it more from a lesser musically inclined perspective. When you're hearing music, you have the associative, you have the emotional, and then you've got the strictly musical. Mm-hmm. So from, I guess, from a measure for measure standpoint, yes, it definitely has similarities, but I just didn't hear that at all because it sounded like it was coming from a totally different place. Awesome. Coming from a different place emotionally, coming from a different place musically. Um, and, although, and, and you know, associatively, it seemed like more of a jam song. Yeah. I'll, hey, I'll take it, man. I know what you mean. The first song... In my mind, it was much more direct and like there was like a really more of a message trying to get across. Well, yeah. the second one was more of a mood yeah. that I yeah. was feeling. Yeah. We were trying to go for like painting good landscapes that people could like, you know, shoegaze to and drink their beer. Shoegazing, baby. Shoe, uh, shoegazing in 2007. Where were you living at the time? I was, was actually still in Brooklyn. I was over by Wyckoff, actually. Oh, wow. Totally different. <laughs> Ten years ago, oh, Bushwick. Yeah. Let's talk. Yes. No, you're oh, absolutely man. right about that. Yeah. Man, I've never seen so many dudes in... I mean, it's good on them, but it's just it just marks the difference in time, dude. You see dudes with, like, cut-off thigh-high shorts now and freaking a Pat Benatar shirt on, and they're talking shit like they've been here for years. Like, hey, fuck you, man. What's, what's your problem? It's like, dude, you're from Nebraska. Why are you talking like that? Yeah. I mean, I just, it's one of these things that I, I tell people, I'm like, remember back in the day when there were like butcher shops and bakeries and candlestick makers? Okay, but not. And the, the sauce was thick. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and every, no place had a sign. You just knew. And every, you know, there was no name of the place. There was just the guy who ran it. And it was his place. And it was his <laughs> joint. It was going over to Anthony's right now. I got to hey. get some cookies. I got to go to Anthony's, you know. Hey, Anthony. Give me the special. <laughs> exactly. Hey. Oh, who are you? <laughs> Been coming to you for 20 years. Hey, but your face looks like every other customer, you know. I Unless he's dollar signs. I would just see it. In- <laughs> go back to Jersey, you moron. <laughs> I, I would envision that it would be just a little more dicey around here because as somebody who's a musician, you have expensive gear. So you have to be a little more uh, on your toes and a little more uh, watchful of you know making sure that there's no, no bullshit's going to happen. Well, back in yeah. the days, people were robbing. Oh, yeah. They were robbing. I've been thankful, knock on wood, that I haven't been robbed, but I've definitely had to defend my own home from like an intruder. And this was actually recently. This No. This drunk kid. Recently? Yeah, like seven months ago. Wow. Oh, jeez. This kid was trying to get in. He was so drunk, he was getting into the wrong door. And I was just like, dude, what are you doing? He's like, fuck you, man. I live here. I'm like, no, you don't, asshole. I live here. And then he tried to take a swing at me. And... I docked it and I curled back to hit him and I just kind of restrained. I was like, no, I'm going to kill this kid. And my buddy like pulled me back and I went upstairs. We were actually in the middle of uh, rehearsing, playing a new song. And then the kid started ringing the doorbell and trying to get in again. And so I had to go out there. Kid tried to swing at me and I just laid him out. (laughs) I I took him to the ground and I just started arm barring him in the face. And he was just like, I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. And I kind of turned into my dad for a second. I was like, are you? Are you sorry? I was just like laughing in my head. Oh, goodness. You don't seem sorry. <laughs> seem like you lost the fight, but you don't seem sorry. <laughs> were you given a lot of discipline when you were younger? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was, uh, it was a tough ver- love. Yeah. It was a very, the relationship was a coach and soccer player. And your mother was, uh, I mean, that's a traditional household, I suppose. So. No, yeah. Actually, in the sense where the woman runs it. Yep. What is the deal with Since 2000? So Since 2000 was a little thing that we goofed around with with Rook again, and I was missing someone in my life, and I kind of... Not your family. Not my family. (laughs) It was uh, the first love, the first one that got away. 
you know, like when you still pine over like that first love and you're just like, oh, you know. Oh, I, well, I just it no, just depends on the quality of the love and how bad you screwed it up. No. If you screwed it up minorly, you know, you know, you know what I'm saying. There's yeah. a curve. There's some sort of mathematical equation to this love. Yeah. Some people saying. try and get rid of it by posting on live journal incessantly. <laughs> some people. Yeah, some people use Zanga. You know, everybody's got the preference. They use their live journals or Zangas. Some people. Uh, <laughs> Zanga. They put it through in performance. Uh, and in the, that capacity depends on what kind of performance you're involved in. And in this case, you wrote this song. It was over anyway. Instrumental track of which was inspired by Lost. Curious is the process of how you go about creating music that is that, that associative. I try to get out my first instinct on what the song sounds like, and then I just think, okay, how can I make this better and less cheesy? Because <laughs> it's usually my first impulse is to do something cheesy and kind of formulaic. So then I, what I really like to do is I like to change up the order of things, especially like to the ear so that you don't know what's coming next. I really try to push for that. And this is when I was just figuring out how to do that. So I, I could definitely, listening to it now, just, it, I just, I can't believe like some of the old tendencies I used to have. Like what, what exactly? Like uh, just repeating a phrase right next to each other, keeping it in four, four time. I like to cut things in half yeah. now. Like do, I love doing rules of three now as that, opposed to four. That little interruption right there was not a hiccup in the track. That was you legitimately doing some industrial shit right there. Man. Yeah, yeah, just like, that was Ill. one little trick. It totally threw me off guard there. I was like, what? what? Oh, <laughs> if you had a heart attack, I am sorry. 
<laughs> I just, you know what? I love trying to challenge myself to do something different every time. I really don't like to try and repeat. And this is actually the same thing with lyrics. I, if I say it once, then I'm like, okay, I can't use this for at least a couple songs. I don't want to get comfortable. I want to keep tickling my brain and see what else is up there. You know, yeah. I want to try and push that 10%. <laughs> yeah, I think it goes across the board because you, you are more involved in creative uh, outlets than just music. Uh, you, as Jimmy said earlier in the show, you've been involved in acting, you do animation. Uh, so you can appropriate all those different lessons learned through music and just apply that to any art that you have. Yeah, I, I try to. I'm really trying to because it, it's more than therapy and it's more than an outlet that I, I can't express any other way. It's, I don't know, it's, it's too like instinctual now. I can't go back. Like if I put it down tomorrow, I will literally give up. So how did Ambisextrous come to pass then? <laughs> like, like I said earlier, when I, when I was touring Europe and Asia and it was just every day was like spring break to me, I had a lot of fun and I was spreading a lot of love. A lot of love. If I always joke to people and say, Flower power. Yeah, I always joke to people and say, um, if I do have a kid out there, that kid's probably half Japanese or half Thai. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> so that's where you went. Oh, yeah, that was where I went a little, little crazy. Yeah. So this is all about different experiences I've had. And then also singing on this track is my buddy John, who's actually my brother in law. He talks about the darker side of being rejected and being misled by love and, you know, trying to wash your hands of it while this I'm is, doing the, I did this, I did this conquest. You know? This is a rap track. There's definitely a lot of 90s influence you can hear in my voice when I'm when I'm. It's going to be rap-splanatory, man. Raps. <laughs> <laughs> Just let the raps speak for themselves. Yeah, man? exactly. Allow us to rap-splain this to you. <laughs> Yeah, this is Ambisextrous right here on Lost and Rewound Radio Free Brooklyn. Thanks for the ride. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. enough. 
don't matter. I couldn't give a fat rat's ass. Cause everything's chill, kinda a-okay. Joking. <laughs> beat. <laughs> beat was really, really great. And Thank you were you. playing you were playing on the beat as well. Yeah. Um that was guitar a little bass little guitar bass slash uh is a full band yeah, going, for that one, yeah. We actually we kinda dressed that up a little bit. Um that was probably like the most production work we've actually put into a song. Before we go, uh I wanted to do one quick thing, which was I want you to beatbox a little bit more so Hell that yeah. I can rhyme with it. And if we don't have time to put it in, then we don't, but we'll have, it'll be an extra. Ready? 
radio, free Brooklyn sun. Yo, I'm just chilling in the afternoon sun. Afternoon sun on DeKalb Ave. DeKalb Ave is a party is what I have out down in the studio in the basement of Secondhand Records NYC. And then you know, most definitely, Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy Hoffman is the place in to make my face into make a nigga like a mace into make it like a race no 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 boston fuck boston new york too much pork and detroit too much wait in your voice in your voice voice i don't know what i'm doing anymore that's done we're done yeah. <laughs> hell yeah oh yeah you were preaching the word brother i don't know <laughs> i need i need to limited to eight bars this has been fantastic yeah thank, thank you. you so much for you coming guys. on through man thank you guys when could somebody who's hearing this show see you again either at topaz or somewhere else yeah uh, if uh if anybody's in the new york area at all every monday night we play at um sidewalk cafe on avenue a and we also play at the topaz on uh bushwick uh tuesday nights we're Always out the lookout for more open mics out there. So if anybody knows, let us know. And in terms of uh, Facebook and uh, social media, anywhere that we can uh, find you? Yeah, Instagram. We are Facebook at Instagram. And on Facebook, just look us up as Facebook. We are always looking for more friends, more musicians. Cool, man. Yeah, thanks for so much for coming on through, man. Awesome. Dude, Jim, Alon, thank you guys so much for having me. This Gabe, was awesome. Gabe Kinnett, the very multi-talented and extremely exuberant uh, Gabe Kinnett. We're very, very happy that you were here to bestow us with your musical prowess. Dude, pleasure was all mine. Thank you, Radio World. Thanks for having me. We're here every Thursday at 3 p.m. here on Radio Free Brooklyn. If you want to come and join us in our social medias, we are now on Podomatic. That's lostandrewound.podomatic.com, where you can hear all of our previous episodes. Go there, like, subscribe. We're on the Facebooks and the Twitters as well. We'll see you guys all next week. And love each other. Radio Free Brooklyn.
Zelda has been kind enough to uh, watch our process, but I, I'm under the impression that she is literally just going to be a fly in the wall. Uh, it'll be the three of us here. She's just absorbing. So she's not necessarily going to be like Zelda. She's more going to be like the little bug that used to fly around next to your head in Zelda. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's the only Zelda reference I'm going to make. I had to get out of my system. I'm sure this has happened to you multiple times all the time, yeah. Do people ever go to you with, like, the homework and go, do 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 Okay. Now, honestly, that's kind of amazing. It's kind of like, the, that's kind of awesome, but... Okay. Um. <laughs> That's. <laughs> well, I want to like. I feel like. What's the right? What would be the right? Da, 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 da. That would be the right one. 